Hey, good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day here at the beach. There is not a cloud in the sky, and it has finally turned to fall. Got up this morning to just low humidity, very crisp, cool weather. Got me excited for next week as we head to Atlanta. It's going to be awesome. I was on the phone last night with Dalton as we finished up the itinerary, picking out a steakhouse that we'll go have dinner with on Sunday. Uh, It's going to be a great time. Today we're in John's Maxwell's book, Success 101. You can pick this up at johnmaxwell.com. How well do I work with people? John says, it is no exaggeration to say that the ability to work with people is the most important ingredient in success. I fully agree with that 100%. I don't know... I don't know what the deal is. You know, this week, I told you all, I was over on a blog this week, and, and it was funny because as I, as I interact with some people on that blog privately, they are so, such cordial people. And then some of them publicly, it's no wonder that they, they don't make it in direct selling because they really aren't people persons or person people, however you want to say it. And it's like, man, and as I was reading this chapter, I could pinpoint who they were based on their based on what they wrote publicly. John says, "What kind of a price would you put on good people skills?" Ask a successful CEO and he'll say, "It is the key to success." Interview entrepreneurs and they will say it was is the it's the key to success. Talk to salespeople and they'll tell you it's the key to success. Any person you sit down with, teacher or otherwise, will tell you, if you want to win, you have to win with people. Most of the time, though, for whatever reason, we act like we have two ears at the or, or two tongues at the side of our head and one ear in the middle. And we talk, 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 and we never listen to what people are saying. I think that's the key. If we'd realize God gave us one mouth and two ears, and there was a reason for that, it might be better. See, if you're going to work with people, then you have to get rid of the I syndrome. John writes, I believe the intensity of which we lift or lower others can determine that there are really four kinds of people when it comes to relationships. It's interesting today, on, as I've told you guys, I'm working through some some personal growth issues. I want to be the best husband and father I can be. I had to fill out a, a historical questionnaire about my past to myself, not to anybody else. And I started looking at areas where I probably fit into one of these four categories at any given time in my life. As I analyzed that, I realized that we all will fit into one of those categories somewhere along the line. The first type of person, some people add something to life and we enjoy them. We all have people in our lives that make us feel good, make us feel enjoyable. They've helped us a little bit. Matter of fact, D.L. Moody said, do all the good you can to all the people you can in all the ways you can as long as ever that you can. And I believe, like John does, that most people really do want to do good. John writes, people who add values to others almost do always do so intentionally. 
That means they go out of their way to make other people happy. John says, the reason I say it's intentional is because adding value to others requires that a person gives of himself. And that is rarely done by accident. And he's, and he's right. If you're an adder to other people, you do it purposely. Just like if you're a detractor from other people, you would probably do it purposely. The author, Frank Tiger, says, Friendship consists of a willing ear, an understanding heart, and a helpful hand. And isn't that what most of the time we're trying to give to a friend? See, it's interesting, as John calls out this first type of person, people that add something to life. You know, you can be an adder to people's life, but specific people would still call you a detractor because your personalities will conflict. They may not agree in your ideology. It amazes me how many people look at politics and they see a guy that calls himself a Republican and a guy that calls himself a Democrat, and they don't realize that a lot of times they're friends. They just have different ideologies. Because, see, the average person can't think above and beyond themselves to realize just because two people don't agree on an ideology means that they have to be sworn enemies. It's an interesting concept to think of. The second type of person is some people subtract something from life, so we tolerate them. A friend should bear his friend's infirmities, Julius Caesar said in the William Shakespeare play. makes you wonder about that. Think about it for a minute. Should a friend bear his friend's infirmities, his friend's shortcomings, his friend's sins? What happens if that friend won't change their ways and it starts drawing you down too? That's what subtractors do. See, they do not bear our burdens and they make heavier the ones we already have. See, instead of Instead of adding value to your life, subtractors take. They come and they're the dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies. They don't want life to be better because if it was, it would mean that everything they believed was a lie. I just believe that. They Hurting people, as the saying goes, hurt people. They don't want anybody to be happy. It's amazing to me when I see this type of person. You see it a lot in relationships. A husband will come home, and if his wife's not home on time or he didn't know where she was at, then the first thing he wants to yell out and say is, where were you at? Were you having an affair on me? And when you come to find out, he's a big flirt, a little bit of heavy petting, maybe a sexual liaison somewhere. So now all of a sudden it's his wife. I... I had a, a person in my life once came home. We'd been out around chatting. He ran his errands. I was running mine. We get back that evening, and he says, Can you believe I saw so-and-so at the adult bookstore down on Troost? I said, Wow. You see him parking there? No, he was he was going in when I was coming out. Never gave a thought to what he was saying. I just sat there and looked at him. A subtractor, trying to get other people's values, their life, to be run down by talking. How many times do we see this happen? 
See, in relationships, receiving is easy. Giving is more difficult. It's similar to the difference between building something and tearing it down. See, it's one thing when you just are receiving all the good things, but to give to others, to lift them up, to make them better, that's the tough part. Most people don't do that intentionally. Some people multiply something in life. We value them. This is the third type of person. John says, anyone who wants wants to can become an adder. It takes only a desire to lift people up and the intentionally following through with it. But to go to the next level in relationships, to become a multiplier, one must be intentional, strategic, and skilled. The greater the talent and resources a person possesses, the greater his potential to become a multiplier. I've been blessed to have a lot of multipliers, personal multipliers in my life. Jim Gilhouse is one. Tom Hopp is one. Richard Brooke is one. B.K. Barreco is one. Corey Citron is one. Dandy Scamanchi happens to be one. Lisa Emenez is one. Donna Johnson is one. My wife is one. My mom has been one. See, it's amazing when you sit down and you, you start writing down who have been personal multipliers in my life. My pastor, Eric Parton, happens to be one. These are partnerships that you value, that that you can go and you can look at it and you can say they added something way beyond. They helped me become better and then I was able to go out and help others become better. They're the ones that are passionate about making a difference in people's lives. Now look around me at the people that are just they're takers. Doesn't mean we don't love them. We just scratch our head and think, why can't they learn and be more positive and realize there's a purpose in life? We all have people in our lives who have helped us, who've helped us succeed to where we're at today. People who we know, without a shadow of a doubt, bring value to our lives. Gary Razor from Lemu is quickly becoming a a very close mentor. He's somebody that is old. The dead spot there. Old enough to be my brother. I'll drop my phone. He's wise enough to be my father. And every time we get on the phone, he goes into what we call the razor rant. And it's wonderful, man. I take down so many notes about what he has to say. He's one of these individuals that doesn't just add value to somebody's life. This is his life blood. This is what he does. He's a man that you can document. It's, it's, it's documented. A little over $150 million as a distributor. And now runs a multi-multi-million dollar business. And he just said to to me just the other day, I, I'm, I'm coming out with something new, Troy. I said, what is it? No, oh, I can't let you go public with it. I said, all right, but what will it do? And he, he said, it'll put equity in the pockets of my distributors and finally make them to where they can feel like 
No, he said not make them feel like, but actually give them ownership in their own company. And I thought, man, this is going to be exciting when he puts this out, however he's going to do it. Wants to add value. It's amazing to me, folks. Some people, this is the fourth type of person. Some people divide something in life and we want to avoid them. Man, I got a boatload of people. I literally look at my caller ID. I don't do this all the time, but most of the time I do. My office line rings and I can look at a phone number, and if I know all they are, are dull, negative, disillusioned, crybabies, it's going to voicemail. See, I know what the value of my time is, and I'm not going to take that away. I've set boundaries in my life. You have to. R.G. Latourne, I said it wrong, I know. He was an inventor of numerous kinds of heavy earth-moving equipment. One day his company made a scrapper that was known as the Model G. A customer sat one day and asked the salesman, what's the G stand for? The salesman, like so many people in his profession, was quick on his feet and he replied, the G stands for gossip. Because like so many tail bearers, this machine moves a lot of dirt and moves it fast. That's what dividers do. Dividers are always wanting to be dull, negative, disillusioned crap. They will go out of their way to rip somebody apart. This blog I was on the other day, I, I watched a a group seeking answers to a situation. They want a solution. And a few people on there that I've almost decided must be being paid by somebody. Because they're on there and all they do is have stuff negative to say, to rip apart the people, to keep fear in them. They never come up with a solution. Piss poor moaners is all they are. And they'll twist and turn the words to make it look like they are the hero. They, they've got such a low self-esteem. And I sat there and I thought, man, this sucks. How many dividers do you allow in your life? See, it doesn't matter if, if they're in your family, if they're a friend. It doesn't, you cannot allow dividers. If people aren't going to change their attitude so that they can have a life transformation, then you've got to make a decision to cut those strings. You cannot allow the garbage in your life or eventually you're going to pick up a gun, put it to your head, and blow your brains out. And I mean that figuratively. But that's what you're going to feel. The reason that you are not being as successful as you want to be today is because you're allowing the wrong type of people into your life. You've got to get past that. See, I believe deep down inside, deep inside, everybody has the ability to be a lifter. They have the ability to add value to other people's lives. But for whatever reason, they allow the circumstances and their life, their life experiences to get in the way. I'll use an example of something. I don't, I don't know if this is relevant or not. I was really young one time. I was sitting at the kitchen table. I heard a dog bark. We didn't have air conditioning at the time. I look out the front window, and there's a dog caught in a fence. Drop my fork. I run across the street. I'm going to help this dog. I have no fear. 
I pick up the dog. I grab its hind leg. The hind leg stuck in the fence. I hit it wrong. It hurts. The dog bites my face right on my cheek, right underneath my jawbone. Fangs go in deep, blood everywhere. I was too young to cuss, but I'm sure I would have if I could have. I drop the dog, his foot comes free, and off he runs. Maybe my dad, I think my dad cut his foot out, but off he ran. Then I got the doctor. You know what the doctor says? Well, we're going to have to see if you have rabies. Where's the dog? Nobody knows where the freaking dog is. So now I'm going to have to get shots in my gut if we can't find the dog. Long story short, we found the dog. Fast forward to I'm an adult, and now my kids are in the yard. And my middle boy's running towards the house, screaming bloody murder. I'm running out of the house, and a pit bull's after him. He's got bite marks all over him. Now, we're gonna we're talking about adding value to people's lives or subtracting value from people's lives. I got bit by a dog. Most people that go through a situation like that, the fear of being bit again will bother them. I just am too stupid, I guess, sometimes to have any fear. My child runs past me, and I take on the pit bull. Dog jumps, going through the throat. So I do the same thing, and I grab him around the throat and carry the stupid little beast back up into his cage. Two things happened that day. My son realized there wasn't a whole lot that I'm afraid of. He also realized if he ever has to face a dangerous situation, his dad would face it with him. You have to add value to people's lives. In that case, I did. There's other times when I am sure that I've been a divider or a detractor in people's lives. I'm I'm not, I mean, I'm anything but a saint. I've learned over the years, though, the pain of rejection, the pain of looking back and saying, I wish I could change this experience in life and not being able to. So here's what you do. If you want to become a lifter, there's a few things you can do. Number one, you commit yourselves to daily encouragement. My mom is great at this. She writes all kinds of quotes and poems and prose and all that stuff. I get things in the mail I didn't even expect, and it's something for my mom, and it always seems to come right at the most inopportune time. You have to be a daily encourager. The second thing, lifters know the little difference that separates hurting and helping. See, the little bitty things that can make a difference, instead of critical words, You use positive words. You've heard me talk about this. Why the average person says, I'm going to go spend time with my kids instead of investing time with my kids. I'm going to go spend time with my wife. I wonder how many husbands would love it if they say, yeah, I've got to go spend time with my husband making love to him. Instead of investing in that long-term relationship. Lifters initiate the positive in a negative environment. John taught me a long time ago, and you guys hear me. I drill this, the 101% rule. Find that 1% you can agree on, give it 100% of your effort. 
very simple. It's funny to me, again, I was on this blog, and, and they were talking about all the MLM 101 is to treat everybody that doesn't agree like you are as negative. And then I read their negative garbage, and I think, well, that worked. But see, most of them don't understand that there's a difference between being a dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby and a critical thinker. Critical thinking is actually a philosophy. And if done correctly, we'll come to a final deduction in any type of equation. Not bad for 12th grade education and a Marine Corps diploma. You learn about critical thinking. See, lifters understand that there are going to be negative environments. I guarantee you, for for a fun-loving family next weekend, we love each other at Catalyst. By Friday night, we will be nipping at each other's heels. Tired, stressed. What takes us three days to put together, we have to have down in five hours. But what will happen? Is when it's all said and done and the trucks are loaded, Brad will turn around and look at us and say, let's go get dinner. 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, a bunch of Generation X, Y, and baby boomers go hang out, smile at each other and say we did it, look at each other and say, can you believe it's been 11 years? Look at each other and say, we're going to do it again next year? See, that's what happens when you're multiplying and lifting up and taking a negative situation and looking at the positive. In 1736, Benjamin Franklin was being considered for a position as clerk of the General Assembly. Only one person stood in the way of his nomination, a powerful man who did not like Ben Franklin. Franklin wrote, having heard that he had in his library a certain very scarce book, I wrote a note to him expressing my desire to pursue that book and requesting that he would do me a favor by lending it to me. The man was so flattered and delighted by the request, he loaned Franklin the book and the two became lifelong friends. A man that was diabolically opposed to him becoming the clerk became his lifelong friend. How many times do you go out of your way to make an enemy a friend? I ask a question this week on this blog I'm talking about. How many of you believe that we should treat others the way we want to be treated? And boy, did the venom flow. How dare you ask us that question? That question is is so elementary. It's humorous. It's deg- I mean, it was everything. I just shook my head, and then I wrote one more blog post and said, "I'm done." It has become very obvious with the answer to that one question that this community does not want closure. There's a lot of people that I just don't like. But it doesn't mean that I treat them the way they treat me. 
It means I treat them the way that I would want to be treated. Apologize for my shortcomings. Maybe not the way they would like, but a heartfelt apology nonetheless. See, it's amazing how we go through life. It's easy for other people to look at us and think they know all the answers to our life. And we do the same thing without knowing what's inside. My dad said something to me once that has just permeated in my being. He said, son, we all have a secret place that nobody else is allowed unless we let them in. And I've pondered that forever. Because I started to realize if we're going to be lifters, if we're going to be multipliers, then we have to build so much trust with other people that they're willing to let us into that secret spot. See, at least in America, we have all been screwed so many times, figuratively and literally, that we just don't want to trust people. And then we try to go into business, not just direct selling. I'm talking about any kind of business. And if it's a people business, we have a hard time with it. Because we don't know how to treat people unconditionally the way we want to be treated. And if we set boundaries because we don't want other people to treat us the way we don't want to be treated, then we're made sometimes look like the bad people. John writes this in closing out this chapter. Every person is capable of becoming a person who lifts up others. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a genius. You don't even have to have it all together. You do have to care about people and the intimate uh, and the initi- and excuse me. You do have to care about people and initiate the lifting activities. So don't let another day go by without lifting up the people in your life. Doing that will positively change the relationships you already have and open you up for many new ones. Now, the only time this doesn't work is on the mentally insane. And sometimes the mentally insane, for whatever reason, a chemical imbalance in the brain, are just dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies. And look, if you want to call me a bigot or nasty or any of that, fine. But I've met some of these people, and that's what they are. At the same time, there are mentally nut people who are the sweetest person under the sun. And, they, and you could be mean to them and they wouldn't know it. But outside of those extremes, the average, everyday person wants to be treated well, will put up a defense when they're not, will attack others sometimes un, unconditionally. But it's us, up to us to live by the one small sentence, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and learn to go after that common ground with people to help change your life and theirs. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow with me on Real Mentors Radio as we talk about do others find me trustworthy. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye now.